they told me I was 465 pounds and that was kind of like, wow, you know, I really need to wake up and, and change my life. Welcome to the Primal Brocast. My name is Ben, aka the Primal Bro, and this is my podcast where we discuss fitness, nutrition, jujitsu, mindset, motivation, and so much more. Sometimes I talk to others, sometimes I talk to myself. So without further delay, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? That's right. We're back with another interview episode of the podcast. The benefit of doing these episodes is that you don't have to listen to me talk so much, so I will quickly uh, or I will waste no time in turning it over to my guest today and let him introduce himself, tell us a little bit about who he is, where he comes from, and eventually how he found himself following a ketogenic diet. Good afternoon. I'm Miles Russell. I live um, out here in Washington State. Um, I'm an attorney um, by trade, um, but I've been doing kind of a keto thing for about, I don't know, maybe six years now, more more like the last two years pretty seriously. Um, and I focus on, you know, kind of getting getting into better shape, getting um, doing weightlifting and hiking as my main form of activity currently. So you are you said you're in the pacific is are you enjoy being a lawyer that's an aside question that's not necessarily um something that i plan but do you do you legitimately do you enjoy your profession um and i don't know i believe you work uh, in more of a public setting and not a private law setting yeah i'm an attorney for the state of washington um doing civil litigation for the state um i definitely enjoy it i think being an attorney is not for everybody like it's very stressful um, profession. I think some people ask me, like, hey, should I go to law school? Should I try being a lawyer? And I would, you know, caution a lot of people about what it's actually like. It's it's just a lot of, like, um, high stress, um, very, you know, I don't know, sometimes uncivil profession, but I really enjoy it. I mean, I'm kind of like a competitive person, and it's not necessarily about just winning and losing, but that is an element of it, and just kind of, you know, fighting for your client to get the best result uh, appeals to me. No, that's that's very honest, and I actually like that answer um, a whole lot. <laughs> that's a so you mentioned law school. Was that where you first started a ketogenic diet, or is that where you had found it, or did you find it later in life? Um, how, did no, that, I kinda, how did that all work out for you? I found it during law school. I would say like law school was like rock bottom for me for a lot of reasons. Um, I just that's when I got to my heaviest. Um, that's when I was, I think. I never really, I, that's the only time in my entire life I ever dealt any sort of like depression. I was kind of down. I, you know, I had this vision of what I wanted to get out of life. And I, I was kind of optimistic when I went to law school. I thought like, you know, I've always been an optimistic kind of person who believes everything will kind of work out. And I got there and I was like, I'll find a really good job really easily. And I'll just do well and get good grades and be the top of my class. That's what everyone thinks because law school attracts a lot of top achieving kind of type people. Right. And so I got there and law school was difficult. Um, and then um, at the start of my second year, um, you have this fall uh, interview uh, thing called OCI. It stands for on-campus interviews. And that's where you're interviewing for kind of a job your second summer, which is kind of like your audition for your job after law school. It's this very like upfront kind of recruiting process where so much of your, your future depends on your first like year and a half of law school. And I uh, didn't do well with my interviews or I didn't get an offer and um, was kind of bummed out and, and had, I was at my heaviest weight. I was, I was very unhealthy 
And I went to the school doctor um, as part of a physical to get um, my prescription renewed for high blood pressure medication. And I was, they told me I was 465 pounds. And that was kind of like, wow, you know, I really need to wake up and, and change my life. And the doctor told me to do the DASH diet, which is like a, like a more like whole grains, plant-based kind of diet. And it just wasn't something I, 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 I tried it, but it didn't really, it was hard to stick to. And I saw something on the internet about a guy losing 200 pounds, um, through a low carb diet, um, and just kind of started, uh, experimenting with it. And then I, for the first couple of years, I wasn't so strict, but the weight kept coming down slowly, but surely. And then in like 2015, um, so about two and a half years ago, I just buckled down and started being more strict about it. And now I'm in like the best shit in my life because of it. No, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. Um, so, so, so you were, so you were journey, from journey from your heaviness to the, to the actually the began and became a diet. It wasn't terribly long. It doesn't sound like at least you were talking within, within a year. Yeah. Like I, I went to the doctor and they said I was, I'm six foot five and I, w I was always a, 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 a big guy. I think I remember weighing myself once during college and was like 350. Um, and then at this point, um, I, when I got weighed at the doctor, I was 465. And then I got down to like, I started the keto maybe like within like weeks of that and got down into like the low 400s by the end of that year. And then my all time low weight was um, 202 at 65 last year and I've been kind of putting muscle back on now. So I'm like, I sit, I depend on fluctuation in water weight. I'm like in the high teens, like, so two two eighteen, two nineteen, 219, you know, something like that. Oh, that's awesome. Is, um, something in, in past interviews, um, that I've had, we haven't really discussed athletics or performance at all. Um, when you're in the gym, what's you're doing like a weightlifting, are you doing high volume, um, are you doing low volume? Is it high reps, low weight? Is it, uh, are you looking for more of a physique aesthetic thing? Or are you trying to get, just get stronger? Um, or is your hiking your main priority and the going to the gyms, just an accessory for that? What's your, um, training or your fitness? What does that look like? And how does that kind of fit in with your ketogenic diet? So I, it's changed over time. It started out as a pure strength thing. Like I just wanted to be really strong. And so when I was big, I was focusing more on just being strong because that's what like appealed to me at the time. I was kind of anti-bodybuilding. Um, I did the, I started out with like a five by five or five through one type exercise, which is heavy barbell, um, you know, the core big three lifts, barbell bench press, barbell squat, barbell deadlift. Um, I did that and while I was cutting with, with a ketogenic diet, I did that mainly to kind of maintain strength as much as I could. I mean, my lifts all suffered, you know, when I lost weight and I got weaker because when you're cutting, you're, you're, you're not getting as much energy in, you're not feeling your workouts as much. I mean, you're focusing more on, on cutting body fat and that puts your body in kind of more of a, 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 a not a, not a catabolic state, you know what I mean? Um, or not an anabolic state, but a catabolic state where you're kind of, you're kind of building down rather than up. And, um, then when, when I got down to my all time low weight, I was, I lost a lot of strength, lost a lot of size. I wanted to focus on some aesthetics too, but also not just, you know, purely aesthetics. And so I've kind of gravitated more towards a hybrid workout. I do uh, push pull legs, which still has that core, like lower rep range, heavy weight, um, 
as the fundamental of every workout, but with some a lot of accessory that's higher volume. So I'll, maybe I'll do like, to, for example, uh, if I'm doing like a, a, a back day, for example, I might do heavy barbell rows with like low rep range, but also do a bunch of bicep curls and maybe lat pull down, um, you know, some some uh, bicep work at a higher volume. And then same thing for a bench press day. I'll do heavy bench press, but also do like tricep extensions or skull crushers at a higher rep range. And then that lets me focus on strength, but also kind of building aesthetics as well. Because I kind of want to, I want to be strong, but also kind of want to look good too, you know, to be honest. No, I mean, and, absolutely. That We'd all be lying if we said that that wasn't part of it. Yeah. And then hiking is kind of like, I don't really like cardio for running. And hiking is not necessarily like, a pure cardio workout it's more of like like a peaceful thing that i do to get out in nature and also spend time with friends and i like to be in shape and, and just being in much better shape and, and especially with keto it allows me to do a lot of like longer hikes and do them you know it's just easier to get up higher up in the mountains when you weigh less and i can do it with like not needing to eat, eat a ton of food and and so that that's kind of like hiking as an exercise but it's more of a like a meditative social activity as well Right, and you're not dealing with all the inflammation the next day, so limited soreness, if any, from your hike, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, it depends on how serious. So, like, I, well, my last two hikes, I did one yesterday that was a shorter one, about seven miles, and I was a little bit sore this morning. I also did squats this morning, which is kind of silly to do squats after going for a hike. But, you know, I foam rolled, and, and my legs were a little bit sore in certain spots. The one I did a couple weeks ago was a 10-mile hike, and I was sore the next day. But it's really only like a day, um, uh, a day or two, and it's not that bad. I mean, I think there's this meme that goes around the internet, like you know, the leg day meme, where it's like, oh, me after leg day, and it's someone who like can't walk. And on keto, I've never really experienced that. I think just because there's less inflammation. I mean, I don't have any like, you know, scientific proof that I'm less inflamed, but I feel less inflamed, and I just know from the research that it does lower inflammation. And so when you do, like. If you do workouts, you're going to be tearing muscle fibers. That's the whole point. But the, the, there's less pain. Like I don't take like anti-inflammatory medication or, or Tylenol or Advil to recover. I just kind of get back on, you know, track and make sure I get some rest days in, and I feel fine. Absolutely. It's um. It's, it's interesting how, in tune you get with your body when you follow a ketogenic diet. When you've gone through the process of losing such a large amount of weight, things you learn about the tricks your mind plays on you, um, what your body actually needs and what's happening kind of behind the scenes based on what you're putting in. It's all, it's all kind of fascinating, but in my experience, losing weight gave me probably the greatest insight into how the food I'm eating affects my body, which seems like an obvious thing to say. Um, but is, have you found that to be the case? And would you agree that keto has kind of amplified that uh, self-awareness or intuitive part of nutrition oh yeah definitely um i think so um i i think one of the things that um uh people a big debate in in fitness the fitness world is like is calories what matters for weight loss right some people go to one extreme and say it's the only thing that matters no matter what sort of diet you're on some people go the other way and say it doesn't matter as long as you're carnivore you can eat as much meat as you want and you don't have to worry about calories I think that both calories and hormones um, are important, right? And so before keto, I would wake up in the morning and be ravenous, and I would have a bowl of, like, sugary cereal and, like, be hungry within, like, minutes of finishing that bowl of cereal. 
and then I would you go to go get like a, like a mid morning snack that was heavily carb based, and then be hungry at lunchtime, and then come home and have my own dinner and be hungry for when my girlfriend got home and have have dinner with her. And I would just eat so much food because I'd be hungry all the time, right? And I attribute that to high blood sugar and hormonal dysregulation from like you know from that kind of diet, right? And then when I switched over to doing keto, my hunger was so much more reasonable. Now, some people, are, some people say like, oh, I'm never hungry. I forget to eat. Like, I think that's not necessarily true for most people. I'm still hungry. But how much food I need to feel satisfied just reduced dramatically. Or I could wake up and not need to eat until dinner time if I wanted to, kind of like fast all day. And so um, I know that like a ketogenic diet um, regulates my appetite a lot more. And so the way I always describe it to people is it's not magic, but it makes like controlling how much food you're eating way more sustainable and enjoyable. And I um, don't really cheat a lot on the diet because I just don't really feel the need to. But that said, when I travel somewhere, I will go off the diet um, if it's like, you know, once in a lifetime thing. And so, for example, I went to Ireland with my mom back in May and went off keto for a week. And all of, the, all of those things that were true before keto just came back. Like I would have a bowl of cereal for breakfast and just be really hungry and want to eat like carbs. And I ate so much more food there because I was always hungry because I was eating like breads and, you know, drinking beer and having more like, you know, these British like crackers and candies and my appetite just ramped up. And so for me, that's like the main difference. I just know that when I'm eating carbs, I'm going to be hungrier. My, my blood sugar is going to spike. I'm going to be more moody. My inflammation came back. Um, I was like sore there. And then I come back home and, and get returned to a diet that's like um, mostly meat. Um, I just feel better. My appetite's more in control. I feel more in control, if that makes sense. And so I've kind of experienced that um, before, during, and after. That's what, and then to continue on that, when I eat higher quality foods, like I'm not saying you don't need to eat like you know you don't need to eat grass fed, you know, organic meat. But when I'm eating more like steaks and you know pork versus say like hot dogs, you know, um, and like pepperoni slices, I just feel better. It, it's more optimized for me. For sure, and with with calories, I I couldn't really agree more. Um, I I don't like, and this is a I say a problem um, that you run into a lot on a lot of the content I create, whether it's a YouTube video or this podcast on Instagram. I just I st I promote that a lot of gray area things, and meaning there's no one size fits all one answer for everybody. And I think calories is is kind of a similar situation. Calories ultimately are going to matter. Um, but like you were saying, when you reduce the carbohydrates um, and you're regulating the insulin levels and your hunger is more under control, you'll probably naturally eat less, which is why people assume or say you can eat as much as you want. But but there are people out there who, when you kind of take that limitation off, they'll just go crazy. And I'm one of those people. Um, so I, I firmly believe that that calories are, are very important. Um, so we've we've touched several times on your diet. Um, and I know that now you do a lot of, I'd say, like fun experiments uh, in your kitchen. A lot of your food looks really, really delicious. And um, I would like for you to talk about th the methods for cooking um, that you use or just some of, the, some of the things you enjoy cooking for yourself the most. But first what I want to ask is um, what did a typical week or day look like, say, that first month of keto? Um, and it can be when you were – doing lazy keto when you first started or, or a couple of years ago when you when you tightened up because um, you know so many of us when we first start keto it's a lot of 
quest bars and substitutes for this and, and imitation, whatever. Um, and I I was part of that. I didn't follow a clean or an optimal ketogenic diet at first, and I don't. I think that a lot of people don't. And I'm always curious to see where someone started, especially now, like with you, and I can see what you're eating now. Yeah, so it's very, it was very different. I think that's the thing I'd, I'd stress to anybody is that you're not trying to get everything perfect from day one. You're just kind of figuring it out. There was less resources available out there when I first started keto, and I was never like a good cook or someone who knew much a lot about food um, when I was eating a, a, like a standard American diet, I guess. And so when I first started, I was just like, what has carbs in it, and how can I eliminate that? I wasn't doing a lot of strict tracking, um, calories or macros. I was just trying to avoid carbs. And I was eating stuff like, like wings from Hooters. But even then, I would get sometimes get, would get the boneless wings, which are still breaded, but they're just a lot less lower carbs than, than like, you know, say, French fries. But it was a lot of, like, things I could get easily. Like, um, I was in law school, and I would go – the bar. there's a bar downstairs. Um, I live downtown in, in a, like, a, like a mid-rise building. And there was a bar downstairs, and they had wings, and I would get wings there. Um, um, I would uh, have eggs and bacon for breakfast. That's a classic. That's like everyone's gateway into keto. It was eggs and bacon. Um, and I would, when I would go to school, um, I would go to the dining hall and just ask the cook to make me, like, can you just make me a hamburger patty or make me a piece of chicken? I would get a salad and just try to, um, you know, make sure it had, you know, meat or eggs in it. Um, but it was very much kind of figuring out what I liked and um, uh, trying to avoid carbs. It wasn't perfect, you know, you know, but it was kind of just like what worked for me. Um, and that's how it was when I first started. There wasn't even Quest bars back then. Um, there was Atkins bars, but there were no Quest bars. Um, and then over time, there's been more keto products that have been released. Um, and so when I first started, it was just kind of like, what do I like? How, you know, what do I want? And kind of figuring out as I went along. It wasn't like, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't perfect, but it worked. So then we fast forward to today. Um, what, what does your diet look like today? I know we've, we've talked about it a little um, offline, so to speak, like not in person or on a podcast, but you know, chatting on Instagram. We've talked a little bit about our um, approaches to nutrition, the flexibility that we allow ourselves, um, the things that we're strict with. And for both of us, it seems that at this point it's it's more calculated and it and it centers around um, heavily being meat based. Um, but I'm interested just to to hear you talk about, like I said, what a day of eating a week looks like now, or just how you view nutrition now, especially compared to back then with the the salads, the macroless salads and and things like that. I would say my diet is kind of like a good phrase. I'm not would be carnivore adjacent. Um, over time, I, got, I went on an experiment um, earlier this summer and cut out vegetables completely and nuts and, and see how I responded to that um, just as an experiment on myself. And I found out that, like, I, I really felt fine. I felt good. I was less bloated. Um, it wasn't, like, magic. Um, you know, like, I, I didn't feel like a like night and day difference, but I, I felt fine eating less vegetables. And so I would say today, like, Monday through Friday, I tend to eat primarily a meat-based diet. Um, it's convenient for me. Um, on the weekends, I kind of quote unquote cheat on the carnivore diet and, and allow myself more flexibility. There tends to be more social functions on the weekend that I'm involved in. I tend to go hiking on the weekend um, a lot in the summertime. And so I'll allow myself, um, you know, some, some, like, for example, I like, um, 
uh, snacks for hiking, I bring like, you know, jerky or some nuts or some fat bombs, like keto brick, stuff like that, that keeps it in those macros, but is not necessarily strict carnivore. Um, I also have, you know, I, I do like, I don't have much of a sweet tooth, but I do like some Quest products and I'll keep them as snacks. But generally Monday through Friday, I don't really eat a lot of non-meat. Like I'll have, you know, some eggs for breakfast and I'll have like a, a steak for dinner. But when I, what I learned about myself is that like, I don't really have an intolerance to vegetables. Like a lot of people come to carnivore because they actually do have a lot of autoimmune issues. And so I still will every now and then have some Brussels sprouts or asparagus because I really like them and don't have any issues with them. But I did find out that if I eat a lot of salads and, and like spinach and stuff, I get bloated. So I, I kind of keep that to a minimum just because I feel better, but I know that it's not a detriment to overall health. And so I would say Monday through Friday, it's like 99% meat and the weekend's a little bit more, more flexible. And that allows me to enjoy life because sometimes I want to hang out with friends and I want to enjoy what they're having. And that doesn't mean I'm drinking like, a bunch of beer and eating a bunch of chips, but you know, it's being more social and more present in that moment because like the diet's not going anywhere. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's massively important. Um, you're the balance that you found is very similar to the one that, that I have and where on the weekends, Saturday and particularly Sundays, I'll, um, allow myself a lot more flexibility. I'll do keto cheesecakes. Um, I still kind of personally tend to avoid, nut-based products um because i found that i didn't there's more of a, a bloating digestive thing when i eat them um but that all goes back to self-experimentation like you said you took the vegetables out to, to see how it affected you um and i know that science is important but we've we've made several references on this podcast to anecdotal evidence and, and how you're feeling um and the the results that you can measure yourself you can see how you're feeling, you know how you're sleeping, you know what your mood's like, your appetite. Um, so even if you're not getting blood work done and everything checked, it's still it's still a good idea to experiment on yourself. Um, do you see trying anything new, uh, or do you have anything that you are considering uh, attempting coming up? Well, even if it's not nutrition-related, it could be um, doing one of the more, like the competitive hikes where there are hundreds of miles, I don't know. But is there anything that little self-experimentation um, that you feel coming up soon or anything you've been eyeing? Yeah, so one of the things that I I, I have two two things I want to try, one both nutrition, one both fitness. So I tried carnivore. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm sure some people who are really in, like strict adherence to it would say, oh, you didn't try it long enough, you know, like 60, 90 days. Um, but I tried that as an experiment to see how I felt. In the past, I've tried changing my fat and, and protein ratios, and, and kind of found that I, I do I feel better with more with a higher slightly higher fat ratio. I'm not saying I'm just you know drinking butter you know and and, and, and oil and stuff, but just fattier meat versus say chicken breast, I felt better that way. Um, one of the things I've always been curious about is I've never had an issue with artificial sweeteners. A lot of people demonize them, and like you see a lot of keto police being like, "Don't have sucralose" or "Don't do that" and avoid sweets. Um, for some people, they can be very like trigger, you know, they like they make them have cravings. For me, that's more of like a nut thing. Like nuts make me want to eat more nuts. But I never really had a problem personally with artificial sweeteners, like diet soda and like you know Monster Energy drinks. But I've been really curious to see if I feel different if I cut them out completely. And so I'm thinking about just cutting them out um, to see how I feel. And I, you know, and I, when I say I have no issue, like I, I lost 260 pounds like guzzling diet soda, you know what I mean? Like that, their diet soda has had no impact on weight loss, 
but uh, who, what if what if it actually causes me to feel worse and I just don't know, right? And so I really want to see how I feel without sweeteners, just as a personal thing. Um, and that's pretty much the only thing I'm going to try with nutrition right now because everything else is, you know, I think it's better to change one thing at a time rather than try to change everything at a time. That way you can see how that, that impacts you. Absolutely. Um, I think as far as, like, fitness, I would like to try, like, you know, more cardio, um, like, except focus on strength for a long time. But I like to try cardio, and I, I'm thinking a lot about martial arts, like, um, just because I know a lot of friends who've done that, um, and I know that, like, there are a lot of people in, in the fitness community that I've been inspired by do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, and it just seems like something that, that it would interest me, and so I, I'm thinking about trying that um, this fall, because I have a lot going on in my work life that takes so much of my time, but I think once I have more, some more free time to, to dedicate to more classes, I would love to do more martial arts to see if I, if I like it or not. Um, I think, like, like, you know, you, you do martial arts, like, you don't do a lot of weightlifting, but it's all about what's, what is enjoyable and sustainable for you, and maybe it's not for me, but I don't want to know until I try that, so I want to try it. No, absolutely, and this is, I'm sure this is my, my personal bias coming in, but I think that jiu-jitsu would be an excellent option, and, um, but any martial art that you try is going to provide, it, it, there's itches that it scratches that are unique to me, in my opinion, um, because I can, I can lift weights and I can get stronger, uh, but the main, you're mainly competing with yourself, um, and you can run and compare your times to other people. But again, you're mainly competing with yourself. But then when you do martial arts, there's more direct competition. So that's you had talked about it with your profession earlier, um, and I think if we're being honest, all of us to some degree have a competitive itch that needs to be scratched, uh, and that's probably greater in some of us than others, just like anything else. Um, but that's where I get mine, and I think that you, if you enjoy that element of your job, I think you would enjoy that element of martial arts. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a competitive person. I'm not like I need to win everything I do in life, but I, I definitely, it, it definitely is motivation, and so I think I would enjoy that. I mean, some people, like every now and then, one of my coworkers or friends will say, like, "What, what are you training for when you go to the gym?" And I'm like, "I'm just training for life. I want to be stronger." You know, there's a. I forget who said it. I think it might have been Mark Ripito, who's a strength coach, and he said once, like, you know, people who are who are stronger are harder to kill. <laughs> so that's why it's better to be stronger. And I kind of feel like martial arts appeals to me in that same way. Like, I just want. I, I'll feel like just more capable and more like powerful if I can like defend myself. You know, you know. And I think that's something that'll give me. It's more of like a personal thing, not like. You know, who, I want to be a better version of myself, and I think knowing some grappling skills or, or throws or counters would help me just feel more capable as a person. There, there's definitely a level of vulnerability that you that you when you start martial arts, you become aware of it of how vulnerable you are, but then you also start to to do something about it, and that provides you a lot of confidence. That's the observation that that I've or like that's how I kind of view that. Um, so, but you said something, um, that actually touches on one of the questions that I really wanted to ask. Um, and you said that one of your coworkers asked you why you're training or why you're going to the gym, um, because there was no direct or immediate goal, nothing that was obvious to them. Um, but now that your focus has shifted from weight loss, um, now that that part of your journey, so to speak, is largely behind you, um, what what keeps you going? What keeps you strong when you are tempted? Um, and again, we did talk about how there is a sustainability of life that you should maintain as well. So when you go to Ireland, you can't 
you can't pass up that kind of opportunity. Um, so you can't let the diet control you there. Um, but in just general cravings, what kind of what's your why? I guess is a re, is a way to ask what I'm trying to ask. Uh, everyone talks about it. It's almost cliche at this point, but everyone has a why. Why are you doing this? The ultimate reason, the one that's supposed to outweigh any craving or temptation that you have. Um, and so what would you say that yours is at at this time? No, I'm I'm so glad you said that. Like, what's your why? I mean, that's that's what I always say to people is it's why are you doing this? And if you don't know the answer to that question you're never going to, um, I think, accomplish your goals. I mean, that's that's what I think, that, like in leadership, you know, you, your team needs to know the why before they can accept the what. Um, and I think the, the reason why I can do the what every day is because I know what my why is. And for me, it's not necessarily a number on the scale, right? I mean, there's objective measurement, and, and I, you know, I would be lying if I said that I, there are certain numbers on the scale are important to me. Um, but my why, um, I guess it's twofold. It, for me, it's I want, I want to be healthy and live a long time. When I was overweight and obese, I had really, I was starting to have like the, the symptoms of like, you know, poor cardiovascular health, like chest pain and, you know, high blood pressure. And one of my friends, very good friends, um, um, father died of a heart attack when I was in law school and it was scary. And then I had some friends who died of heart disease, not personal friends, but friends in the family who've had heart disease and strokes. And so for me, like, I don't, I don't want to be someone who dies young. I, I want to live long and be healthy you know, and, and, and have, and be with my family and friends and, and be able to do things in life. That's my, my, my main why is to be like the best healthiest version of myself I can be. Um, and that's what keeps me going. Um, and I think part of that is I don't want like, to, now, now that I've accomplished this, I don't want to go back, if that makes sense. I think whenever you, you improve your life circumstances, you always want to be going forward, not backwards. And there's that statistic about people who lose weight and then regain it. And for me, like, I don't want to be one of those people who failed. You know, I understand that failure isn't going to be part of anything in life. You're going to fail, um, and you can't be afraid of failure. But I don't want to go back. I don't want to regain the weight. And so for me, like, maintaining my progress um, and then being healthy are my big whys. And so whenever – like, I know I'll be able to go off the diet um, for vacations and stuff like that. But every now and then I'll be like, man, I really just want to, like, eat a bucket of popcorn – or have a big pile of pancakes because I'll have a craving, but I'm like, is, what's why? Why would that would that help me reach my goal? No, so I don't do it. Um, am I perfect? <laughs> no. Do I have flaws? And, and do I overeat sometimes? Of course, because I'm human. But at the end of the day, I always ask, like, is this going to get me closer to my my goal in life, or is it going to get me go backwards? No, absolutely. Because there's exceptions to every rule, right? So vacations or or major things are an exception but those little cravings for the pancakes and the popcorn um, those easily or quickly become daily cravings if you give it to it once and you then you feel it the next day if you give into it again and it compounds from there and because I I it's it's funny I when hearing you say that so my weight loss journey wasn't linear when I started at 333 pounds and um, the first time my first go around so to speak, I got down to 209 pounds, uh, and that was following a paleo primal diet. Um, and then I fell off completely. And in my opinion, or looking back on it now, I can tell you that it, there was a rough part of my life, but it's largely due to mindset. It's perception is reality. And um, that's something that I focused on a lot since then. Uh, so but I ballooned back up back close to 300 pounds. But I remember the first time that I looked at the scale and it went back over 233 
because I could no longer say that I had lost 100 pounds or over 100 pounds. And that was something that I had worked so hard for that now I was also the only one to blame for why it was gone. And, um, and yeah, that, that was an, a terrible feeling uh, that I never want to experience again. And I'm sure that you never will um, because you seem very, very driven and dedicated. But, yeah, I, li- I like that answer a whole lot. Yeah, I think I read a book once and it talked about like uh, about like some people who successfully keep weight off, and I think they all, even though they don't they don't the scale rule their life and their well being, they have like an emergency number. You know, I think it's important to kind of have that. Like, you know, I'll, I can let myself relax a little bit um, and be flexible and like sustainable, right? Because you can't just always be hundred percent locked in. But you kind of have that, like, oh, I'm, I can't go above this number, or when I hit this number, I gotta, I gotta reassess what's going on in my life. And I think that's one of the things I would say. My takeaway from that is, like, I'm not so obsessed about, oh, I gotta be 210, 215, but I know, like, I don't want to go back up above 240 or 230, you know, you know, because that's 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 too much, yeah, you know, danger so, zone, right? Danger zone, exactly, yeah. Um, so I guess that was. There was one thing that I, I meant to fit in earlier because we were talking about your old self. Um, and th- this is probably the last thing that, um, that I'll ask because I think it's a good way to close out the podcast. A lot of people listening, um, I hope at least, because a big part of what I want to do with these podcasts and with these interviews is, is to share some insight on different journeys and stories. Because if you listen to me and you follow me, then you might think that you have to do it the way that I'm doing it. And that's not at all the case. Um, there's multiple solutions to every problem and, and you just need to kind of find your solution. So what, what advice or tip would you give say 400 pound you, um, about starting really any diet that he chose, but mainly a ketogenic diet. Um, if you're giving someone advice on beginning to make those life changing, uh, changes as stupid as that sounds when you when they're beginning to make or to take the steps necessary to change their lives what is the single most solid piece of advice that you have for for that person i, I would say you gotta like you gotta folk don't be afraid of failing so you gotta just you gotta just start and understand you're gonna fail along the way and that's like one of your greatest learning tools i mean today i'm a, i'm a really good cook and i know like how to great cook really great, you know, keto friendly meals. I, I know like how to work out. I know how to track everything, like what the carb counts of almost everything is and, you know, how much proteins and this and that. But like, you don't need, you're not trying to get there from day one. You're trying to kind of build it, build something. There's that cliche, like every, there's so many cliches or cliches for a reason, right? right. There's one saying like, how do you build the Great Wall of China? You put one brick down <laughs> over and over and over, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You want know, one bite at a time. So how are you going to change your life from being like overweight to healthy? You change it like piece by piece by piece, and you're going to make mistakes along the way, but you'll learn way more about yourself that way uh, than anything else. I mean, one of the things I would the way I put it is if you're in debt and you're trying to get out of debt and change your life, um, what if you, if someone just gave you a million dollars? That doesn't address that. Just will correct cure the the symptoms, right? The debt, but it doesn't correct the problem which is your behaviors or circumstances that put you into debt. And the same thing is true with health and fitness. Like you want the weight to go away overnight. Everyone's like, I want to do fasting and, you know, cut everything down. But you're trying to change the the problem that made you that way in the first place. And it's not something that you can just change instantly. It's going to take a lot of trial and error. And I think that's what I would tell someone. Just don't be afraid of, of, of failure. Failure is part of the journey. 
Um, I know that sounds corny. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's just, it's just what I found true among so many people that I know who've been successful at this. Yeah. I think, I think it's undeniable and that's it. That kind of expands on something you said earlier because it was to use your words. You said you don't have to be perfect from the start as long as you start. Um, exactly. And, and that's, yeah, that's a hundred percent the key, the, the advice that I like to give her my big, my big piece of advice is, is to work your way into it because the more drastic the change you make initially, the harder that's going to be to sustain. And that's mm -hmm. aligns very closely um, with what you're saying, I, I believe. Um, and <clears throat> sorry about that. And um, what, uh, what would you, what would you, um, what would you say to someone who's trying to start working out? Because another question that I wrote down that I meant to ask earlier, but this is an early interview um, in the process and I'll get better at it. But I know that when I was severely overweight, when I was over 300 pounds, um, I primarily focused on my diet, but I did finally begin exercising, moving my body at all. But, um, I was intimate. I was the person that was intimidated by the gym and the person that was af afraid to work out. I don't belong here. Um, I've, I fell into a lot of mental traps there. I was a stereotype. Um, did you start doing body weight exercises at home like I did or um, how did you start and what advice again would you give to somebody who's who's trying to start especially if they're that overweight um, just to start working out because I think that any like a lot of lifting programs to someone who's never been in the gym before can be kind of overwhelming and intimidating um, so how did you get started and maybe you can help other people uh, start lifting because again like you said that's not something that that I do a lot of, and it's not something that I can offer tons of advice on, but I do have a number of people who follow and listen um, that lift plenty of weights. Yeah, so I mean, I, I kind of, I, 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 it's hard for me, harder for me to appreciate um, some of the fears some people have about the gym because I never had that as much. It's because I come from more of a sports background where you're going to be at the gym. You know, I played football when I was younger, so like weightlifting was something that was instilled on me at an earlier age, you know, um, and then I, I, I got away from it for a long time. But um, a lot of people definitely are intimidated by the gym and they're afraid of being judged or they're afraid of not knowing what they're doing. They're afraid of getting hurt. So I would say, um, while that's, that, those are normal fears, like no one really, everyone has the same fears. Like no one's in the gym, like, oh, look at this new fat person or this new, new idiot. Like, they're, they're all insecure about themselves or they're all just focusing on what they're doing. No one's really going to be paying too much attention to you. Um, so I would say don't don't worry about that. Don't worry about looking stupid or, or people like judging you. Um, I would say, again, you, you just figure it out. Don't be afraid of failure. If you think that like you need, you need a personal trainer, I would say go for it. I mean, some people always say, like, why do you need a coach you know, or a trainer? It's someone who can hold you accountable sometimes. Sometimes you need that person. So if you don't have a workout buddy who can show you something, you know, I think a, a personal trainer can be really important, uh, especially if you're going to be doing, like, um, uh, weightlifting with barbells and dumbbells. You can get hurt if you don't have the right form. Like, I squat. Like, I can squat. Like, for today, I'm not trying to brag, but I, I my, my, my squat set today was 455 pounds. If you don't have proper form at 455 pounds, you're going to, like, herniate your back. You're going to, like, you know, blow your knee out. You're going to, like, you know, you're going to get hurt. And I, it took me a long time of practicing my form to do that. And, I, and if, I, if I just kind of jumped in without knowing what I was doing, I could have got hurt. So I would say if you're going to do something that's more technical, uh, maybe a, a friend who knows what they're doing or a personal trainer would be a good investment. And honestly, 
if you put that investment in, studies show that you're more likely to get something out of it when you have skin in the game, right? If you're paying someone $100 a month to coach you, you're more likely to show up than if you're just going whenever you can to the cheapest gym there is. So I'd say don't be afraid of judgment. Don't be afraid of failure. If you need someone to show you what, what show you how to do it, then reach out to a friend or a coach, and that'll get you started. It's like me. If I want to learn martial arts, like I could read a book about stuff, or I can go to a, a professional class and get coached on it. I'll probably have more success if I go somewhere and get coached on it than just trying to figure it out myself. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I will uh, – or we will go ahead and we'll end the interview here because I don't want to take – too too much of your time today but with that being said do you have anything that you haven't gotten a chance to say that you think is important anything that you want to share i know that you don't um you know you're not the the online coach type of dude um so you don't have like a product to offer but you know tell people where to find you you're a fun dude to follow um on instagram so tell people where they can find you and and let us know just any closing words, I guess, for, for you to use your, the terminology you may be more familiar with if you have closing arguments. Um, <laughs> you can, you yeah, I would say, I would say my, the, the greatest takeaway I would want anyone to know is that, you know, don't be afraid of failure and don't be afraid of change. Like, they're both going to be necessary parts of, of fitness nutrition. You can't, be, um, you can't be the same person at 400 pounds. Um, and be a 200 pound fit person. Like you're, 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 the behaviors are going to be so much different. And so you're going to have to change into a different person. You're going to change into a better person of your, of who you are. And so don't be afraid of failure and don't be afraid of changing and giving up um, life. And, you know, I would say as far um, as where you can find more about me, you know, I, I, I'm on Instagram, I'm Telecron on Instagram, and I'm really into um, photography and cooking steak and so it tends to be a lot of pictures of hiking or cooking steaks so they're like my main pastimes so that's that's what you'll see if you come to my instagram um and also i i, I just like photos around the city that i live in and so i try to try to shade things up um but i do a lot of tra i try to I, when i when i when i'm able to I like to travel like i went to ireland with my mom and so if i if i travel i post pictures of that as well no awesome you you were one of my favorite accounts to follow um and like I said, it's, it's more of a personal, selfish thing. I connect with you for, with your journey, uh, with your food choices. And, and, yeah, you do take some pretty beautiful photographs. Um, but that's, yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the interview, guys. I want to thank you um, for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. I really appreciate you doing this. I know it's somewhat last minute, somewhat out of the blue. Um, but I really appreciate you giving me the chance to make content and to share your story, your tips, your um, information, and, and hopefully that at least one person that listens to this will take something useful away and we will have made someone's life better uh, by having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, if I could say like one thing why I'm just grateful to, to be here on your podcast is, you know, this journey started for me because I found a, an article online where a guy talked about how he lost 200 pounds. That's how I got started. And so me telling this is kind of me paying it back. It's so hopefully someone one day finds this and says, well, that guy lost 200 pounds and got really strong and now and he eats steak all the time. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I could do that too. So if I can inspire someone, I would love to do that. Yeah, and that for, that's also, for me, that's the deep, deep motivation. That's kind of the reason we're sitting here in the first place. That's why I'm, I, I started YouTube in the first place. It, it, my whole thing initially started as a food blog with paleo recipes. Um, so it's gone through many versions, but the ultimate goal was always just to help people who needed the help that I needed. And um, 
And I think you're doing an excellent job of that. I hope that this podcast contributes more of that uh, goodwill or positive intent out in the universe. And yeah, like, like we were saying, someone will listen to this and, and they'll decide to start their own journey or maybe they'll be inspired to make changes to the journey they're already on. Uh, so that's, like I said, that's it for the interview. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will chat with you next time. So that's all for today's episode of the podcast, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you aren't already, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on Instagram. I am Primal Bro everywhere, so please connect with me. But like I said, that's all for today's episode of the podcast. I want to thank you again for listening. Thank you for your support. And until next time, take care.